Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits, episode 100. Are we excited? I'm excited. Are you excited? Of course I'm excited. How could I not be? That's Mike Perna. I'm Luke Navarro, and this is the hundredth time we've got together to talk about God and geeky things. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. Uh, I mean, I have been busting my butt for this moment. <laughs> to be cataloging all of our old episodes and getting all these interviews together and everything like this. My world has revolved around this moment. So to say that I'm excited is an understatement. So did you have the chance, I know as you especially went back to prep for some of these interviews, to like, so some of these interviews were really early on in the show. I actually have the episode count for each one, and I will share them as as we you know, kind of lead into each one, because some of these have been a while ago. It's amazing how much content we have covered in these last hundred episodes. Mm-hmm. It, it blows the mind. And speaking of content, do we have some more to cover today? Dude, what have you been playing? I, I will tell you that I am in a drought of a lifetime right now. However, I do think that uh, I do think it's going to be fixed tomorrow because my wife, in her amazing awesomeness, has decided that I can invade her birthday party with board games. <laughs> so, are you going to be invading the party with party games? Probably, just because I know the crowd that will be there. These are not hardcore gamers. <laughs> Uh, but I do think we'll be able to have some serious fun. I'll probably bring my wife's favorite games, which are not many, but she does love them intensely. So I will probably bring them along. As We'll also have... Uh, I will be doing what I refer to as an old-school dexterity game, which is pretty much not a board game at all. And one could argue that it's not even a dexterity game at all, but there's part of me that just makes it so. I have been playing... Uh, a game called Bocce Ball since I was a small child. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Are we talking about the, like, full-size, you need, like, a bowling alley lane of sand to do this? In the ideal setting, yeah, you have a full court, but we basically just play it on the lawn. But, you know, as the as the second generation of uh, Italian-American immigrants, I uh, I have bocce in my blood, Especially because of the fact that I'm so close to New York, where old gentlemen in Sands Belt Slacks will still be playing bocce. See, I I think it's more of an East Coast thing. Let, let me ask you this: uh, coming from the West Coast perspective, mm-hmm. is bocce and lawn bowling this like just different coast names for the same thing, or are those different games? It could it could be without busting into a long thing because this really is only a it's a game in the broadest sense of a term. Uh, what happens is that there's a, a each team has their own set of balls that they're throwing down the field, as it were. And the goal is is that you're supposed to try and be the closest one next to this target ball, which is the first thing you throw. You throw out this little tiny target ball, and every other player is trying to be the closest person to that. And you get points for however many are the closest. Uh, okay, so it, it's pretty similar to what we call lawn bowling. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's Long very Long bowling similar. is curling with balls. Okay. So, yeah, it, it's it's similar. Similar. Yeah. 
but uh, all sort of horseshoe variants. If but you yeah, will. that is that is in my blood, and I recently just picked up a very nice old school antique stone set. I, I got to say that that makes me pretty happy. Yeah, it is gorgeous. It is exactly like the one I used to play with my grandfather. And tell I'm... me that when you're out there playing, you're wearing some form of sun hat. Oh, I will. I will find oh, one. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. But uh, yeah, no, I'm super happy about that. And then probably, if in case you're curious, I won't go into all of them because we've covered most of them at any given time. Uh, if I say things about my wife's favorite game, we're probably talking Dixit, uh, a game called Seasons, which I've written about on the site. Probably going to get some kind of uber big party game, something like Snake Oil or something like that. Games that it, well, I'll probably bring Munchkin just because she loves beating me at it. <laughs> So that's the kind of stuff we're dealing with. Like real simple, real easy throwdown kind of games. Nice. Luke, what have you been playing? I uh, got a couple of games in. Um, one of which I think you own, and I'm so I'm sure we've talked about it, but just in case. Uh, a game called Abyss. Yes, I love Abyss. Um, and so we, have we talked about it on the show? I'm sure we have. We've mentioned it. It was part of the Gen Con preview and everything like okay. that. And I, I know in w- one of our early episodes after Gen Con, I said, yes, it is great. You should play it. But I don't, okay. I don't think we did it in any kind of length. Well, uh, in case folks are interested, uh, it is set in an underground, an underground, underwater kingdom. The king is dead, and uh, the powers that be are trying to gain control. Uh, but basically it plays out as sort of a set collection game with a little bit of engine building mechanics and a push-your-luck kind of draw system. Um, and you are trying to get sets of cards which allow you to purchase locations in the Underground Kingdom which essentially give you endgame points. Uh, and you uh, just kind of continue on that way. Um, it's actually a very simple game. Uh, yeah, that 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 explanation made it sound a lot more complicated than it. Did it? Sorry. Um, it's it's actually a really uh, a much more accessible game than I thought. Just kind of looking at the box, it, it seems like it would be a more intense type of game, but really isn't. It's just collecting cards of various colors, buying various lords. Maybe they have they each have special powers. You get spaces. The spaces get you end, to end game. Uh, well, the opportunity for end game points, and uh, at the end you add it up and see who wins. And uh, so it's a real solid, fun game. I like the lords. I think they're interesting. I like their powers. Uh, I think that uh, really adds something to the game. So certainly worth uh, getting into if you you've got a whole in your gaming world that this one might fit. The second game I played was much easier to explain, and (laughs) that's a game called Stone Age. Oh, I keep wanting to play Stone Age. It's like the granddaddy of worker placement games other than Agricola. It (laughs) is pure worker placement. Like, in fact, as I was playing it, I kind of hate to say this, but my thought was, is this it? <laughs> like, there's got to be something else going on here. 
Remember what I but said? There's it was really the granddaddy. Not. There wasn't, you know, this this is what everything else built on. <laughs> right. And it's a little bit hard when you play a game like that after everything else has done its building that uh, it, so it can be a little bit unfair in a way to judge this game against Caverna, say. You know, it's just, it's not, it's like, you know, asking the little eight-year-old Michael Jordan comparing his basketball skills against, you know, 1980s Michael Jordan. It just wouldn't be fair. You know what I mean? Right, um, but I, 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 I'm sure that said, I'm sure the simplicity makes it so that it's actually a little bit more accessible, though. It is very accessible. So that said, uh, th- this is a game in which you place workers to do really a pretty small number of things. Um, there are a couple of different actions that allow you to advance basically three. Uh, your ability to increase your food production, because every turn you do have to feed your, your workers. Uh, so I guess that is a little bit more uh, complex than it could be. You can mate your workers and thus get uh, another worker and uh, I apologize for any uh, families who are listening and have to unexplain that now (laughs) whoops where do workers come from (laughs) yes well when I'm mommy meeple and a daddy meeple never mind (laughs) and uh, finally you can improve your technology now this is where the game is interesting Uh, the rest of the actions are all uh, well, I guess that's not right. There are some actions that are allowing you to use uh, powers based on cards or tiles that are coming up. Those also give you end game points. But the uh, the resource gathering, the actual gathering of the resources, of which I think there are four, and they're probably something like wood, brick, stone, and gold. But... I could have one of those wrong, but you know what I mean? They're all, like, the standard resources that resources gather when you're gathering resources. Right. Um, but the th- cool thing about this is is you put a certain number, however many workers, I mean, up to your however many you have, uh, on one of these, and that's how many dice you get to roll. And each uh, resource has a certain cost, if you will. So... Uh, we use the example of wood. Uh, wood is the uh, lowest cost resource, I suppose, apart from food. Um, and it costs three. So let's say you put three workers toward that. Well, now you have 3d6, and you roll 3d6. Well, let's say you average it about, well, how about a 10, right? You would get three wood. Three times three is nine. You have one left over. Well, what technology allows you to do is increase those totals by however much technology you have. So you can see how that gives you a whole lot more strategic uh, freedom. And one of the cool things um, that I think that you were talking about that simplicity, it allows you to take more risks on where you place your workers. Uh, in other worker placement games, I'm thinking like specifically of games like Lord of Lords of Waterdeep, all you're doing is drawing things out, and you, you have the cards in your hand that you're using to play. Well, in this game, if you're wanting to, say, 
buy a building, you have to have all of the resources right when you put that worker on that buy a building space. You can't, uh, you know, hold the building in your hand until you've gathered all the resources that you need to purchase it. You have to have the resources when you say you're going to have the resources. Well, you could look down and say, okay, yes, I already have the resources. But if you just did that, you'd lose the game. So instead, what you do is you go, can I, do I think I can get those resources this round? I think I do. So I'm going to go ahead and put this there so nobody else can get it. Even though I know full well, I can't afford that right now. I'm going to trust in my die rolls. I'm going to trust in my technology that I'm going to get the resources I need to buy this building or buy this card. And if you don't, well, then you've lost that worker for the turn, uh, which is pretty devastating. Uh, when you you start the game with only five workers, and there really aren't very many turns in the game. Um, so, you know, I can see why this would be a game that defines a genre. It is pure, it is clear, which I really love. Um, and I, And by clear, I don't just mean it's easy to understand the game, but like, you know what you're gonna do. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to be like, hmm, I wonder how this is gonna work. You you can plan your strategies and know what they're gonna be. Um, and I really enjoy that in a game. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I think I would buy Stone Age. Uh, I uh, Because it is, it's the perfect kind of game for me. Because I always want those games that are the kind of like archetypical game of the genre, the the game where I can introduce new people to the genre, and uh, I think it's a great opportunity to inter- I, like I would never introduce a new player to Caverna. It wouldn't oh, be any fun. That, that that's just mean, <laughs> right? And even Agricola, right? I mean, but Stone Age, you could totally introduce somebody who's never played. Anything more than you know, Ticket to Ride or Catan, and they'd be they'd get it no problem. Right. All right, Luke. We could be here bantering about the games we've played or haven't played, and the sadness or joy in that all day, as we have for the a hundred times now. Yeah. Uh, however, we did want to make this episode special, and in order to make this episode special, we decided that we were going to try and call back as many prior guests as we could to come back and kind of give us an update on how they're doing and, you know, just what it's like in their world right now. So we're going back. Uh, my my kind of subheading or subtitle or whatever you want to call it for this episode is getting the band back together because there are people who we haven't talked to since... 2012. Yeah, that's a little befuddling. Right? When you really... It's funny, I think I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, when I interviewed Holly Ann Satola, we even commented on the fact of, holy cow, I can't believe how much has changed since the last time she was on the show. But, uh... Like, I, it's, it's amazing to me, like... Uh, we'll, we'll reminisce later. Continue. Yeah, we will. <laughs> When I was deciding, you know, who would we put where and what order people go in, I, I decided that the best way to do this, to make sure that, you know, 
No one accuses us of showing favorites or anything, though we love all these people. The best way to do it would be to go in order of appearance, like they do in old school like sitcoms when they do the credits. In order of appearance, so-and-so and such-and-such and that guy over there. So, way back in episode 25, we were still kind of figuring out if we were going to go all in for games or if we were just going to be general geeky stuff. And I happen to have friends. And they are T. Morris and Philippa Ballantyne. And T and Pip were authors. They are they do a lot of they do a lot of stuff, but probably the the way I met them was at the Steampunk World's Fair. They were doing their at the time, I think they were just about to put out the second book of their now four book series. We we wanted to talk to them about what it means to write in that kind of a genre, their experience going to conventions, stuff like that, um, especially as Christians in an environment that really isn't super friendly to Christianity. So we got them on to talk about their books and everything like that kind of before gaming happened on this podcast. But since then, uh, their book series, The Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, actually now has a role-playing game set in that world. So it's even more powerful and more, you know, just valid that we have them back on now. Not only because they're cool people who make cool things, but they actually have a game set in their world. So we wanted to sit down and make sure we talk to them. So, Mike, let's go ahead and roll our conversation with T and Pip. All right, guys, we are here with two people who in our early days were one of our earliest interviews, I think. You guys were definitely in the the early segment where we were just wondering if we would even do interviews. <laughs> we were we were kind of wandering around the geek spectrum and I said, "Luke, man, we happen, you know, I happen to know a couple of amazing steampunk authors. So, why don't we get them on the show?" And this is when you recorded with like two tin cans and a and a fishing wire. No, we still record with two tin cans. And... <laughs> I was like, why are you speaking in the past tense there? <laughs> but I'm trying to remember. Was the first time we talked actually pre Game Store Profits? It wasn't pre Game Store Profits. Was it, it was pre Industrial Conversation for guys can read. Oh, that might have been. I Maybe. think we might have. I can't remember because I'm old. <laughs> we, we, it's happened more than like last week. And you have done many, many podcasts in I have auspicious career. You've done ninety nine. Like you've done ninety nine. Like you I've done many, many books in your auspicious career. But yes, let me let me before we get into all the describing of books and games and awesomeness, let me officially welcome T. Morris and Philippa Ballantyne, representing the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. Welcome, guys. Howdy. Thank you. Howdy, howdy. Like I said, you guys were one of our earliest guests. I was I was in a completely different apartment then. I had just gotten <laughs> married very recently. And Inroads Ministries, our flagship here, wasn't even a glimmer in the eye when you guys were last on here. Way to make us feel old. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm not... just setting it up because in a you second really here, you're going to tell me about all the stuff oh that God. you guys have been up to since, then? since you were on oh, our oh, podcast. Oh, and that's going to be a bigger list. <laughs> Yeah, that is going to be a that's going to be a, a massive list. I, I want to say, um, I want to say, um, had the first ministry book come out? Was, no, was it the first ministry? No, book? you were you you were about ready to get the second one out. Uh, second one, okay, so that puts it at that twenty. Was, that was still a while ago. Yeah, that was that, that was, was a while 2012. ago. Twenty twelve. 
2012. Yeah, the first out came out in 2011. 2011 was when the first one came out, and that's when we, we talked We talked to Mike. In 2012. Now, Mike, was your co-host there as well? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> we have talked. I know I talked to T at some point. <laughs> he was. He was there, but he was awfully quiet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Well, uh, so let's start with 2012 with the Janus Affair. Uh, what happened since the Janus Affair? Well, Came out, won some awards. No, no. The Janus Affair. Well, the tentacle. No, 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 Phoenix. You always think that 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 the tentacle was one. Oh, no, no, for the Janus Affair. It, 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 it was it was one for Phoenix Rising. Then the Janus Affair came out. That season of Tales from the Archives, our podcast found at ministryofpeculiaroccurrences.com, <laughs> that came out uh, and won won the Parsec Award for Best Anthology. Oh, that's right. I won. I beat you. You beat me. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were both we were both nominated for the first season of Tales from the Archives. But he's not bitter about it. Not at all. <laughs> uh, so, I know I probably can't say that on, the, on this on this podcast, but I will. I, I might have to do some. Editing. You might have to. You might have to throw in a sound effect or two. Yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah. The, it's all uh, right. I've got the award. Yeah, that's true. She does. <laughs> Actually, so, so yeah. So so the um. So I was nominated for a parsec along with Pip, and that was also the year. 2012 was the year that we that uh, the the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences shut out. The entire short story. Um, That's right. Category was that the one that the uh, PC Herring one, and for, PC, and for that, short cast, small cast. No, no, uh, for, for large, large cast. cast for, yeah. We shut out short cast, and then there was there were two ministry stories in and long cast. It was uh, Starla Hutchton and, and PC Herring, yeah. and PC Herring won for the seven. So. God, that feels so long ago. I know it feels like ages ago. <laughs> so, so 2012, that was the year of the Janus Affair. Yeah. Uh, we, 2013 was the year. Hang of, on, hang right. on. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. There was also happened? the Goodreads in 2012. In Goodreads, we actually placed higher with uh, with with the Janus Affair than we did with Phoenix Rising. Yeah. In uh, best science fiction of the year, so that was nice. We didn't win it. Uh, I think no. Not no. In the who won it? Who won it that Some year? guy called Stephen King. That was the Some... first year again. <laughs> your, your memory is terrible. Yeah, I know. I don't um, need to have a memory. I have you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that was 2012, and the, oh, Janus Fair did win the Steampunk Reader's Choice Award from Steampunk Chronicle. That's right. Right. And then we went from being published with Harper Voyager to being published with Ace. And because there was a gap in between... We decided to do something. We decided to do the Kickstarter for the original anthology called Ministry Protocol, Thrilling Tales of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, along with the Ministry Initiative, which was the role-playing game. Something we, that I am a proud owner of. Yes, yes, yes you are one of our backers. Thank you. Um, and the best part about that was that uh, um, we, we obviously made our goal... And we even got some of the stretch goals, which were even better. Like pretty dice. Pretty dice. We got pretty dice. We got pretty nice artwork in there. We got... Uh, that Alex White guy. That Alex White dude. Uh, we, we got a lot of good stuff in there. And then in 2013, uh, came out Dawn's Early Light. And that was the third book in the Ministry Protocols. Uh, sorry, in the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences series. And we did a third season of Tales from the Archives. But due to a gap in, uh, in our programming, we weren't eligible for a Parsec Award, sadly. That brings us 15. up to 2015. In 2015, we've got book four, which is called The Diamond Conspiracy. That's coming out. And then we've got uh, an award that we're waiting to hear word on. Uh-huh. Uh, we're in the finals for the RT Reviewer's Choice Best Steampunk of 2014. Yeah, we got in there with some good people. We got in there with Delilah S. Dawson. Corona Cooper. Corona Cooper. Mel um, Jean Brooke. Sorry? Mel Jean Brooke. Mel Jean Brooke. Um, so we're, we're, I, I think we're the underdogs. Oh, we've got two supplements coming out this year as well. 
And then we got two supplements. We got the supplement from Peter Woodward. If on, you want to play a villain. If you want to play a villain. I don't think it's actually called if you want to play a villain. No. It's probably it's called, villains. It's, no, it's called the Rogues Gallery. Oh, is that it's what called the Rogues Gallery. And then we've got the R and D supplements which yeah, will be coming out exactly. late this year. So, so that that brings us up to speed on on all the stuff that's been happening in between 2012 and now, at least with the ministry stuff. I that mean, sounds great. Tell me about the ministry initiative because, man, I was super excited when you guys announced that you were going to be releasing a game in your universe because I love your books. So the fact <laughs> that I could play around in that world was pretty awesome. Well, you should thank you me. You just wanted to dress up while you role-played. <laughs> look, look, just because I have a four-foot-tall iron wrench does not mean that – I want to bring that to my gaming table. Of course I do. Why wouldn't I? I, don't I, it, I wouldn't. it would make it would make a great scepter for the uh, for, for the game master. <laughs> I, I, I love that. So I'm going to sit back and let Pip tell the story about how this deal with Galileo Games came to be. So we were at Balticon. All stories start this way. Um, we were at Balticon. This one time at, at Balticon. <laughs> so we were at Balticon and we run into J.R. Blackwell and Brennan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.R. Blackwell is, of course, you know, mistress of all creative arts. And Brennan Taylor, who is the creative force behind Galileo Games. And um, we were doing a flyby. We, you know, those one of those things at conventions where you're not you know, you say, hey, and you like have two minutes to talk to somebody and then they we all separate and go our separate ways. And I, I think I sort of said something to Brennan such as, hey, wouldn't uh, the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences make a great role-playing game? And then we went off our yeah. separate ways. So then like six months later? Six months later, I get an email from J.R. Blackwell. And she said, I just got finished talking to Brennan. He hasn't heard from you about that pitch. Ab- about that pitch, and he wanted to know if you were serious or not. And I look at Pip, and I go, "What pitch is he, is he talking about?" <laughs> and no kidding, it was it was it was it was comedy gold. Pip looks at me and goes, "I have no." Oh my god, he thought I was serious. <laughs> Let's go with that. And and I went, I went serious about what? She tells me this story, and I'm like. He thought you were pitching. She was like, and, and, and Pip's like, I didn't think I was pitching. I just thought it was a funny thing to say. <laughs> but you know what? We didn't care because we now had the ear of Brennan Taylor. So we went out and went up to Philly, and we were at uh, Casa de Blackwell with JR, with PJ Schneider, who is actually upstairs right now with our daughter. PJ Schneider was there, and it was the two of us and Brennan. And we started talking about what was the concept behind a role-playing game for the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. And you got the tough thing about this for me was I'm old school. I'm D20. I mean, those were the only games that I played were D20 games. So when they started talking about this thing called Fate Core, I'm like, what is this Fate Core that you speak of? What is this strange art? But what made, but what made Fate Core the perfect gaming system for the Ministry and this was as Brennan put it. Brennan Taylor basically said, yeah, I read the books and they're all very character driven. They're not setting driven. They're not they're, they're not about the quest. You know, you get into the heads of the characters and it's all character driven. And Fate Core is very character driven. So he basically gave us this concept of how in the ministry initiative, you play an agent and the Fate Core basically works on the, the aspects of your character, which is great. But Brennan also picked up on this little, this little fun, um, this little fun detail about the books, where these two wacky people, uh, Axelrod and Blackwell, uh, run R and D. Who could they be based on that one? <laughs> and um, 
And the 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 thing that that Brennan picked up on was that the weapons that were given to the agents, the experimentals, well, they could work, but they also might not, or they might not badly. Might yeah, not. they badly might not work. And it isn't like Q Branch in, in the Double O Seven movies where where they go, oh, it's not perfected yet. No, these weapons are like, oh, you know, actual. Take it out and see what happens. Yeah, let's you know, uh, do take notes. You know, just just <laughs> count through your fingers. Yes, uh, <laughs> and so not only do the players have aspects that they play for and against them, their weapons. You have, you have a, de- uh, uh, a gadget or a weapon yeah. or something. And that has aspects as well. So, so this is, and, and I, I find it funny. We actually worked that into, into Dawn's Early Light, as a matter of fact. The whole, <laughs> the whole idea about these aspects was, uh, there's, there's a scene in Dawn's Early Light where Wild Bill Wheatley has got an experimental. It's, I believe it was the, um, Edison Winchester Mark One. And he says, yeah, it's, it's an experimental weapon. You know, it, it carries Winchester shells, but it also throws out a bolt of lightning. And Wellington asks, "Well, what's the wattage?" And he goes, "Well, it's either going to be, it's either going to stun, or it's going to incinerate." And Wellington it's looks a at him, "Dice roll." Yeah. And, and Wellington was like, "Well, that's mad." And you know, Wheatley says, "Not I said it was an experimental." And so keeps things interesting. Yeah. And so, so sure enough, we love the concept of Fate Core, and we think the Ministry is a nice fit for that. And also, system. don't forget the other supplement was actually. Sonic Boom, our daughter's idea. Yeah. Because yeah. We, were, we were coming up with ideas for stretch goals and things. And she said, well, you know, what if you want to play a bad guy? And we were like, oh, a bad guy supplement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, and we, we pitched to Brennan. Brennan was like, well, there's our first supplement. And so we started uh, we started work on that with uh, Peter Woodworth. And we now- now, in that happy. supplement, are, are you going to have – I mean, obviously, you want people to craft their own bad guys, but is there going to be, like, some of the organizations and some of the the, the big bads that we've seen along yes, the way? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the um, Methus – and even even some that just get, like, passing mentions. Kind of like, get more fleshed out. In yeah. The, in Methuselah's the Order is going to be available in there. The Phoenix Society is going to be there. Sophia Del Morte. Sophia Del Morte and the Del Morte family are oh, going to yeah. be Oh, yeah. She find out a little bit more about the Del Morte family. Yeah, excellent. Because quite frankly, she's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> well, between that and the Christmas episode that we just dropped for uh, that we closed our season with for season three uh-huh. of Tales from, of Tales from the Archives, yeah, you know, the people are starting to get to know the Del Mortes. So we're very excited to see what will happen when people decide I want to play like a brother-in-law of the Del Mortes or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, all the villains that you're being introduced to throughout the books, they're going to have some sort of some, and also the short stories are going to play into that. That was also the exciting bit about the RPG was because it needed all those details. We did not only just pull from the three books at the time, the three books that we had written, but we were pulling into the from in, the short story, from the short story universe as well. Universe. Yeah. And that was really a lot of fun. You can actually, if you want to, you can not only play alongside other ministry agents, but you can play alongside Agents of Awesome. Or moose, or or the agents of moose. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, so so big shout out to Katie Brisky for coming up with the agents of moose. It, it was a agents lot of, of moose. <laughs> it was a lot of fun working with uh, with Jr. and PJ about filling in all the little details. Yeah. Like, yeah. so who's in charge of the Antarctic branch? Oh, we like okay. That was a really interesting Skype conversation we had about <laughs> that. Filled that one out, and everyone was just like. We were we were dying. We were dying. <laughs> Just hurting at ribs, cracking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it. It's been a lot of fun, and it kind of codified the universe. I think yeah. in, a, in a little yeah. bit more of a way. 
It's been a really weird evolution. I almost hesitate to say this, but I'm uh, I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> Go right ahead. I, I feel like we took a page from what Marvel is doing with the uh, cinematic universe and how everything is connected. When we wrote the first book and did the first podcast, we thought, you know, oh, yeah, this this will be great work side to side. And really, PC Herring was the first one to go, well, can I write the story behind the seven, behind the seven vases that lead to El Dorado? That Eliza breaks one of. <laughs> and that sort of led, that led to us branching out the universe a bit and connecting the podcast even even deeper with the, the, the novels. And then the novels started to influence the podcast. The podcast started to influence the novels. And then we did the anthology, uh, Ministry Protocol. And then when the role-playing game came out, it was just this it was this web, this this literal web of all this great stuff. And what's really exciting is that in the fourth book, oh yeah, we take elements from all of this and it, comes, and it all comes, comes together. together in the fourth book. It is quite nice. Like yeah, that. yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And which is why for the fourth book, we dedicated that to the writers of the Tales from the Archives. This was our love letter to them to say, you know, you guys helped create this incredible universe. And it's, it, it is. It's a lot like with Marvel. Everything is connected. And we love that. It's, it's a lot of fun to play in. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming to talk to us, talking about the game. Luke, is there anything you wanted to ask before we head out of here? You were quiet again, Luke. I noticed that. I I am, but, uh, you know, last time you were on the show, we did talk a little bit about gaming and gaming with our kids. Uh, Ah. It sounds like you're you're creating a game (laughs) with your daughter. So where has that taken you? What kind of games are you playing these days? Oh my goodness. We have got so deep. Well, what do we play? We play play Ticket to Ride. We both. Both. Ticket to Ride Europe and Ticket to Ride uh, the US. Our latest, we played played the Pacific Rim card game with Sonic Boom. That was was better than we expected. That was actually not too bad at all. Um, We we still played Dixit, which I uh, I reviewed for the Inroads. I was about to say, you wrote wrote a thing on Dixit for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I loved writing about that game, and I've got to do that for you guys again. I... I, I definitely need to to, to write, write another game review. We write token took I can take never... Tekenoko. Tekenoko, which is oh Tekenoko. that game is beautiful. It is. It's gorgeous. It's, it's complicated. A, though. It's a little complicated. But once you get into a groove with it, we dig it. Um, and of course, King of Tokyo. Oh, yeah. Because we love giant monsters. Who doesn't love giant <laughs> monsters? <laughs> the people and of Tokyo. The, there is that. But yeah, so so we got the King of we got King of Tokyo. And then we were recently at a, well, I should say, I was at an event called MAGFest, which stands for Musician, uh, sorry, Music, Art, and Gaming. Mm-hmm. It's a music, art, and gaming festival. Or no, Music nice. and Gaming Festival. Music and Gaming Festival. And my child watched me as I regressed <laughs> to my childhood because they had a 24-hour video arcade game. And it basically was just this area of the convention center that was just wall-to-wall coin-operated video games that were all set to you know automatic play. So I played Zaxxon, I played Spy <laughs> Hunter, I played Dig Dug. Oh, Spy Hunter. A Spy Hunter, I know, man, Spy Hunter. So um, good. They had them all there, Stargate, Defender, Mappy. They had, I mean, they had the weird ones, too. I mean, just, just unbelievable. And so, so you know. What did course, she think of the... Yeah, I know. She was like, you know, Dad, the... The, the PS4 is a lot cooler. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, you don't understand it, Saxon. But, uh, <laughs> no, I don't understand No, I don't, I don't. <laughs> but we're walking around the, the dealer's room at MAGFest, and I find the follow-up to 
King of Tokyo, which is called King of New York, plus the expansion packs. Now, I, I had said I'm not going to drop any bank here. You Until know, you saw that. Until I saw that. And then while Pip was still in New Zealand, I, I messaged her and I said, I'm standing in front of the expansion packs for the King of Tokyo and the King of New York. And she messaged me back. Why are you messaging me? Why aren't you buying? You know, so. <laughs> Why aren't they coming home yet? Yeah, exactly. Why are they not exactly. in the bag? Why are they the not way. in the bag on the way home? So my budget was blown pretty much. <laughs> but I think they're, I mean, they're, I just dig being able to play games with Sonic Boom yeah, now. And she's, yeah. you know, we're never going to forget the Father's Day massacre of 2014. By all means, you can um, tell, tell, tell them about Where it. we had uh, T's mum and dad over and we were all playing. And, and you got to keep in mind, my mom and dad are very old school. Payday, life, monopoly. So, <laughs> so said, King of Tokyo is out there for that them. That was a stretch for them. It's like my dad drinking craft beer. It just, yeah. it just doesn't happen. But they happen. were doing it. They were rocking it. But then T and his dad were both in Tokyo, and his mother took the opportunity to kill them both in one go. One shot. On Father's oh, Day. Man. I mean, it was like Stacker Pentecost coming back from the I dead. Was, I was impressed. Just <laughs> boom. And the smile she on had, like, her this, face. It was more of a smirk. Yeah. It was more of a yeah. smirk. I was more, man. Yeah. I was like, wow. And I was like, from? I'm never going to cross that lady. <laughs> she will take you out. Oh, uh, I I don't think I've finished a single game where my wife's whole goal in King of Tokyo is to kill me. <laughs> well, it's pretty much every time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but those are great games, though. And I haven't got the starter set yet. I do want to eventually get, because I know you and I talked about this, Mike. I, I do want to get Cards Against Humanity. It's It's still... It's Probably still, not Sonic Boom approved. It's not Sonic Boom approved. <laughs> not, by, not by a here, long here's, shot. Here's what, here's what I'll tell you. After we get off mic, I'm going to tell you about a game called A Game for Good Christians. Oh, no, and, I read about that. You and, yeah. I, you and I actually talked about that because uh, when, when we talked about it, I was like, huh, A Game for Good Christians, this can't be good. But you were saying <laughs> that it was actually pretty decent. It's good. It's good. It, it took me a minute because I'm not a big fan of Cards Against Humanity, so it did take me a minute to get into it. But when I did, it was it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts about Cards Against Humanity is if you, you know, is it a game for everyone? No, it's not. To me, Cards Against Humanity is one of those games where if you're really like I was today, if you're really stressed out. It's just good to come home, and if you know you're going to have friends over, it's like, okay, let's tear this up. And you just get a <laughs> lot of the last time we pl- last time we played it was last year at the uh, Smoky Writers Mountain Retreat. Exactly, and it was it was good fun. We we all decompressed. I think we great. I think that was enough. That one was year. <laughs> yeah, it was enough. And that's for gaming. Now the other the other <laughs> bit of gaming that we've been introducing Boom to of late has been video games. We we just finished the the Disney Avengers adventure for disney infinity uh she was a skylanders girl but now she's she she saw wait a minute i can go to a game and i can play thor (laughs) (laughs) sign me up so she, she's she's digging that, and now she's she's leveling up Rocket Raccoon. And I'm, I'm a bit worried about her child being Rocket Raccoon. I'm yeah, saying, I, know, I know. She wants to blow up. A little moons. disturbing if she starts climbing trees. You know, I'm this, just yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but no, it's been, it's 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 been great. We've been we've been we've been keeping an eye out for new and new and unusual games. There was one that Pip tried. I don't think again. I'm not sure if it's Sonic Boom approved, but boy, was it fun. It was called the Red Dragon Inn. Yes. 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 I wow. played Red Dragon in. <laughs> that is a fun, fun. I watched Pip play it, and <laughs> and you know, at first I thought it was kind of cool that she was Cecilia the Cecilia the Grumpy or whatever it was. The the, the I was something. It was the warrior character. It was the warrior character. Then she became. Then she became Gog, the half orc. 
And it was scary listening to my wife go, God, go, God. go, go, that not hurt, this hurt, you know? And she was, she, she was performing all the cards. It was quite cool. All right. Thank you guys for coming out. Before we wrap this one up, how about you guys just drop all the countless ways uh, that people can find you, find the ministry initiative, find all the different podcasts and books and whatever. Okay. Ministryofpeculiaroccurrences.com is where you can find all the links to our Tumblr, our Pinterest, our Facebook page, our Google Plus, you know, everything ministry related is there for your perusal, including the podcasts. My website is pjballantine.com where you can find me on Twitter as Philippa Jane. Yes, that's my name. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> and there's also the links to the the Facebook and the Tumblr and the Pinterest and the Google Plus. And I, I run and out I, of them. And I, I have the same thing. Uh, if you go to tmorris.com, you'll see right above a menu of different icons, all the different places where you can find me online. And ministrypeculiaroccurrences.com also links back to Galileo Games, which is where you can find copies of the Ministry Initiative. Now, we're, we're kind of toying around with the idea. We don't know if they're going to come back or not, but we're going to... I, I need to debate with my wife whether or not we can drop the drop the bills for some more of the steampunk fate core dice that we got, because that has been quite popular. Uh, that was a, that was a really nice stretch goal. We have Th- those s- dice are pretty. Yeah. They are gorgeous. We and have six whole sets of them left. Yeah, yeah, six whole sets. So so once they're once they are gone, we may reach out to Q Workshop and see if they would make another set for us again. But Galileo Games, they they're they're the people that uh, they're the good people behind the Ministry Initiative. You can also pick up our our books from the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences website as well as Amazon.com. But we prefer that you order them through the website because through the website you go through what's called Gumroad, right? Yes. All our digital stuff is on Gumroad. We get more monies than if you go through Amazon. That's something we like. (laughs) And then, of course, uh, with all that, we also have something called TheSharedDesk.com. Oh, yeah, that thing. We've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to that. It's been (laughs) between, between the holidays and deadlines and wrapping up the season three of Tales in the Archives and starting to get... And as a matter of fact, as soon as we get off the mic here, I've got to go upstairs and start editing stories for season four of Tales in the Archives. And that's about it. Oh, we also should probably mention the websites for pjschneider.com and jrblackwell.com because they're the people that help make the game the game. And we can't say we can't say enough good things about them. Luke, I never want to complain about how much crap we have to put at the end of our show ever again. (laughs) That was the short version. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much. I hope you just continued success with both the books and the podcast and the game and everything. And eventually I'm going to be able to get this to the table. And when I do, I'll be sure to let you know about the the agent that I I roll. Please do it. You never know. Maybe he'll end up in a book. (laughs) It could happen. It It could happen. happen. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Our next guest, oddly enough, is not the same person we talked to uh, during the actual episode. Because the next person happened five episodes after T and Pip came on. We got to talk to Mikey Bridges from Game Church. Now, I don't know if you've really sat down and seen the progression of things, but... Game Church is kind of everywhere now. They've gone from a handful of guys in Ventura, California, who decided that video games are awesome and can share the love of Jesus, to literally a global endeavor. 
They have people all over the place. Uh, in fact, I couldn't even get Mikey. The reason I couldn't get Mikey was because at the time I was recording all these interviews, Mikey was in Russia. So I I actually just randomly called out to those guys. I said, hey, can can we just have somebody record something? And we actually got two guys from Game Church. We got Brian and Dave. Basically, they, they gave a, a, a short update. And even a couple of times in their interview, it's hilarious because uh, Mikey was back in 2012. It was September of 2012. And they start realizing, just like we do, like, I can't believe all this stuff has happened since they were on. But they start reminiscing about the fact that, oh, man, this thing that's now so commonplace in their ministry wasn't even an idea yet. So this is this is a lot of fun with these, hearing these guys banter back and forth. You won't hear Luke and I on this one because they actually just sent us this recording. But these guys are a ton of fun. I love these guys. And it's great to hear that God's been doing stuff, you know? Like, yeah. And I think that they kind of have the same vibe that we do where it's like, we had no idea how far God was going to take this. And so we're thrilled. They do video games. We do board games. That's okay. It's all the same stuff that we love. And we're thrilled that God is working through them as well. So take a listen. Hey, welcome everybody. This is... My name is Brian Buffin. I am the COO. Uh, I forget what that means most of the time. <laughs> I think it means Chief Operations Officer. Um, <laughs> I helped start Game Church uh, about five years ago, and um, yeah, I do all of our media, and I also help oversee our operations. Mm-hmm. And been involved ever since day one. Huh? The ground, ground, ground level entry, building this thing. I am uh, Dave Nepper. I am director of logistics and community management, and I've been with Game Church a little over a year now, and help with. All of the behind-the-scenes stuff and some of our community-oriented things. Uh, so we're, we've been asked to revisit the Inroads podcast and this celebration of 100 episodes, which is fantastic. Congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment to everybody at Inroads. And thank you, Mike, for the opportunity to, to chime in on this podcast. So we had a few things that we wanted to share about what's been going on. First of all, what's been going on with Game Church since the last time we were on the podcast? Yeah. Um, gosh, that seems so long ago. Uh, 2012. <laughs> I wasn't even married back then. <laughs> it was ages ago. Wait, no, I so was. Much has changed. Sorry, I lied. Uh, I was newly married. <laughs> newly married, um, But yeah, I mean, uh, game, around 2012 was kind of when Game Church really began to pick up steam. Um and you know we had been doing some conventions. We'd done done a handful of them, and it was it was going well. It was going doing successful. Um, but uh, yeah, um, we hadn't even launched our missions program, um, which was like that's crazy to think oh, yeah. about. But um, wow. literally, it was just like four or five staff guys traveling like thirteen times a year <laughs> to do all these video game conventions. Um, so one of the that's probably one of the biggest things that's actually happened in the past. Um, three years or so is um, now, which is the the cool part about it. So we launched this missions program um, in 2013, uh, really with the the heart to open up um, the ministry that God was doing to the video game to video game culture through Game Church to other people. Yeah, open up um, the participation, and-, and that has been one of the biggest and coolest 
things that has happened to our ministry because you know before back back in 2012 and before that we were doing um you know it was you know a cool ministry but it was just our staff so it was kind of contained like the experience of seeing what god was doing was contained to just our staff and now that we launched our missions program uh the first year we had like six to eight missionaries i can't remember and then last year we had uh gosh um a couple dozen missionary actually probably more than that and so yeah. what's what's really cool is that we've seen um we've seen like god expand beyond just the confines of our building and our staff and so now all these all these people have gotten to share and to share in what we've what, what we've experienced as staff people for so long like i remember the first convention that we ever did how like nervous and apprehensive and just like kind of like uncertain I was and then for me to see what God was doing was like a crazy experience it was like Mm -hmm. one of the defining experiences of my life Um, and so you know now a few years down the road like I've done a zillion conventions and I've been to a zillion places and uh, and all that (laughs) but you know, getting to see um, the way that our missionaries and people that come out for the first time to a game church convention um, to see them have that experience of like oh my gosh like this is incredible and like see how impacted they are. I almost get to relive that experience like all the time. Yeah. So it's really, really cool. And um, just really it's a testament to the fact that uh, what we're doing is way bigger than us. Mm. Um, and that's how it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something that we just have and have our little, you know, container of, you know, of fun and, um, and getting to see what God's doing. But now we get to share that with everybody else, and we literally have made a family through doing this missions program. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing. Um, and uh, the other thing I'd probably say is that we are now an international ministry organization, which is pretty cool. Um, we have operations in the United Kingdom as well as Germany. Um, and so we're, we've been... Uh, last year was the first year we traveled to two international shows, Gamescom in Cologne, Germany, and then Eurogamer in uh, London, England uh, last year. Mm-hmm. So it was really exciting to get to even just go beyond the walls of our, uh, beyond the borders of our country to actually get out to some some new places to share the gospel. And um, the reception there was incredible. Uh, at Gamescom, we gave out about 40, over 4,000 of our uh, Jesus for the win gamer Bibles. Uh, mm-hmm. and that is absolutely amazing. Um, so God's definitely doing some stuff, um, you know, overseas as well. So that's yeah. been a big, it's been a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is not only did we go from <clears throat> small little staff thing, uh, to being all around the world, a, glo- a really global organization, but it's really cool because we've we've opened that up and allowed a lot of people to join us in that. Yeah. And I think that's really enriched. I mean, that's why we're able to do those things now. It's because people have come and joined us on that mission and are being able to experience those things as well. It's like a zombie apocalypse of love. <laughs> yeah. We're just creeping out over the whole world. Totally. You know, it's like, it's, uh, it's weird to say it in these terms, but it's almost like an infection, mm-hmm. you know, that's like, that is not they can't be contained and it's just, just spreading and, and spreading and spreading totally creepy yeah so <laughs> what brings us up to today what 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 are we working on today um well right now i mean we talked about our missions program and that's just continuing to expand and grow and um so continuing in that excitement um continuing to share in this wonderful experience with other people 
Um, so that's a big deal for us. Uh, pursuing more international shows, we want to uh, for sure uh, get involved in Canada, which you know technically it's international, but it's pretty yep. close to home. Uh, yep. And then which also we're doing this year, yeah, it's happening. That's exciting. So mm-hmm. we'll be in. We'll be in Canada, eh? <laughs> uh, and then also Australia, Paris, Tokyo. I mean, those are some of the some of the uh, things that are on our radar. So we're working on trying to trying to get some inroads into hot inroads uh, <laughs> uh, into uh, some some new countries. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, we're we're doing this year is is an exciting year also because we are doing a we're actually putting on a conference in yep. June uh, right here in our hometown of Ventura, California, which is on the beach. So it's pretty nice, um, and we're doing that at uh, in June. And we're really going to be talking about just as Christians, how do we how do we go into the deep water? How do we go into the deep water of of ministry? You know, I think a lot of times Christians we. Uh, we get uh, we get scared of, of what's out there in the deep, and so we don't go, and we kind of yeah. stay in our Christian shallow water. And so we want to we wanted to put on a conference that really equipped Christians to um, to go boldly into the deep water, um, trusting trusting that God's that God is bigger than God's plans are bigger than our plans. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's really exciting um, this year. Uh, and you can still register if you want to. Uh, I think it's $100 now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's $100, and that covers your hotel room for two nights and your food, uh, which is pretty sweet. That's, that's a pretty sweet deal. So all you got to do is get your butt to Ventura, California, yep. which, I mean, I know it's summer, but it's still way, way, way nice. The weather's going to be oh, great, be beautiful, and you literally will be staying on the beach. So for a hundred dollars plus your travel expenses, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. So you can go to gamechurch.com forward slash the academy to uh, to sign up and learn more and get Register. some more info. Yep, yeah, that'd be good. We'll be talking at that about some of the things that we've seen over the last couple of years too, and how going into deeper waters has uh, enabled us to do some of the things that we're doing and, and continue to do those things. You don't want to miss that for sure. And then, of course, uh, future. 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 What are we looking future, at in the future? Oh, man. Well, I kind of I feel like I just said a bunch of things yeah. about the future. but um, Now and future is... Yeah. We're always looking into the future and, and looking at what's next. Really, what is God doing so we can partner with him and and see that happen within game church so yeah i mean and i think i think we just want to keep um we want to keep growing and we want to i mean in the future we just want to see god do more awesome stuff um the one thing that we're kind of working on right now uh and that we're going to that's more of a future thing is we're actually finally um after like five years of doing this and five years of Continually being asked at shows time and time again, are you guys, do you guys have a game? Uh, which is always kind of annoying because uh, everyone asks us that. But uh, <laughs> we are actually in the process of developing a game. Um, I'm not sure exactly when that's going to be done or when that's going to be released. But um, At least getting the, the wheels turning. The, the wheels are it's, turning it's on, going, huh? on making a game, which is really exciting. And um, we want to do something. I can't re- tell you too many details about it, but we want to do something that's really... Um, that's kind of a fresh new take on um, creating a game that's 
not not a, like a Bible game, but like a you know basically a game that tells a new story about who God is in a creative way that that people can connect with and relate with. Um, so it's a storytelling game. It's it's a very much a story based game, and yes. we really want to. Our goal with it is to really um, to provide a, a fresh new perspective on on who God is, and that's really awesome. centered around more our, our mission, the mission of Game Church, right? You know, it's like. Our, our one of our main goals is to change, especially within gaming culture, is to change the perception that gamers have towards who Jesus is and what Christianity is all about. You know, because so many gamers have you know heard things or seen things and started to believe things about Jesus because of the lens, you know, because of this Americanized lens that we that we have as Christians and the way that Christianity is seen in our culture and. Um, so really, you know, the game is, is a, a big function of that game is to help do that in a creative and, and refreshing way. Mm-hmm. That'd so. be exciting to see, see it. Don't know when it, it'll be available, no, but it we, will be available. The worst thing you can do <laughs> in making a game is yeah. to say when it's going to come out. Because right. then that's—I feel like that at the minute that you say that, like you just totally shoot. I yourself think there's enough the case uh, studies within the gaming world. Yeah, to go, yeah, that's not a good. Looking way. at you, EA. <laughs> well, actually, no, they just put out the game anyways and profit off of DLC. <laughs> good yep, going. Totally. All right, and. Last question, how can people help? How can they be involved and how can they find us and be involved in what we're doing with Game Church? It's really easy to get involved with what we're doing. Um, and we started something, and that's actually, I totally forgot to mention that, something that we started post-2012. Um, we have a Facebook community. Oh, yeah, that was posted. Gosh, man, I can't believe I forgot <laughs> that. Uh, well, good thing we remembered. Yep. Uh, so... Uh, Game Church, uh, we started a, a Facebook community called Game Church City uh, back in 2013. Um, we just start, basically set up a Facebook group because it's really easy for people to connect on Facebook because everybody has a Facebook account and it's really easy to get updates and see what's going on. So we started a Facebook community uh, back in 2013 and um, since then it's grown to, I don't even know how many members we have at right the moment. Close to 1,600. So 1,600 people are part of this Facebook group. (laughs) We even have like subgroups underneath that for like different niche areas. Mm -hmm. Um, Anime, um, there's a group just for women. Um, There's there's a bunch of stuff on there. Um, And so uh, that's really where we try to plug everybody into um, is Game Church City. So if you go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Game Church City, uh, you can go on there or just search for Game Church City mm-hmm. on your Facebook app or on your on the Facebook website um, and uh, just join up. Um, Come join the conversation. Totally. Um, we'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, it's really um, – a lot of people think it's just like a, um, a place for like Christian gamers to hang out. It's really not that. Um, it's a place for everybody to hang out. It's an inclusive group. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely mixed company in there. And so basically we just want it to be a place where we hang out, talk about video games, um, and talk about life and just kind of everything under the sun uh, as it relates to to the life of, of video gamers. Of the gamer. Yeah. Yep. And so um, definitely get plugged in there. You can always yeah. go to our website at um, just at gamechurch.com. Um, we have tons of great articles there, uh, really thoughtful, insightful articles that talk about uh, the meaningful moments of, in, in gaming and really drawing out some some spiritual themes from um, games. A lot of indie games, uh, a lot of indie games coverage mm-hmm. there. Um, 
And I think that's pretty much it. Unless I you want to... The biggest one, really. Those are great. Those Absolutely do those things right now. Go go join Game Church City. Uh, be a part of the, the conversation there. And check out the website. And most importantly, if you want to help, if you want to be a part, if you want to join in to what Game Church is doing, come on a missions trip. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and you can no, go... no replacement for that experience. and That is literally the best way that you can help us do what we're doing not only by you know the fundraising a- aspect of it and raising um raising funds to come on mm-hmm. a trip but also just you know your your presence being there is vital to us continuing to do more conventions um we have like 13 to 15 shows a year and so just even being able to help is a big deal and then also on top of that the, f- the fundraising helps us pay for um, just to be at these shows. And I mean, we're not, you know, we're not trying to make a buck. We're literally, yeah, if we made zero dollars, <laughs> we would be so happy. Um, right and where we be. we're starting to do that this year, which is, which is great. But I mean, we definitely need help in that, in that area. So if you're really, if you really connect with the, the vision and the mission of what we're doing, um, the best thing to do would be to go to gamechurch.com forward slash missions. Um, you can see a list of shows that mm-hmm. we're doing there. Find one in your area um, or one yeah, that looks interesting. It doesn't have to be in your area yeah. if you're willing to fly or you know get yourself out there. Um, but you can uh, see what shows we're doing. You can, If you want to just ask more questions, you can ask questions there. Um, and also if you want to sign up and register for a trip, you can do that as well. Um, full disclosure, there's a $100 registration fee, just so mm-hmm. you know, so you're not surprised by that. But um, that's just so you have a little skin in the game and helps you kick off your, your fundraising. And that $100 goes into your fundraising uh, goes towards your towards your trip but it's just basically a deposit um, that helps yeah. us lets us know that you're you're serious yeah. so get you started I think yeah. that's it yeah well good thank you Brian and thank you Mike and the rest of the team at inroads uh, again congratulations on the yeah. hundred hundredth episode of the podcast we're so so grateful thank you for inviting us to be on and i wish you all the best sayonara listening to that it's really crazy because like now i write for game church on occasion occasionally they let me talk about board games and video games that i happen to like and so it's really cool to just hear their progress in a completely different turn of events we go from somebody who who is all about video games and doing this this epic kind of i don't even know what you call it like this epic scale with whole staff and an army of volunteers and then you get one guy who is absolutely in love with jesus just absolutely trucking out there for ministry and has a heart for gamers that is the man the myth the legend, Derek White, the geek preacher. You know what, man? Like, if we had, like, that kindred spirit who someday we will meet together in a tavern and go on the most epic adventure with, it would be the geek preacher. I, I kind of do, because I, I get to hang out with him at Gen Con. You know, and, like... But you know what I mean? Like the, that re- yeah. reoccurring character in the the 18 novel set. Like, he's our Flint Fireforge. You know what I mean? Of all the characters, you went with Flint. 
I love Flint. I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's take a listen to uh, Mike's conversation with the Geek Preacher. All right, guys. One of the most interesting uh, interviews that I, I did in the early days was when a, a buddy of mine sent me a video of this guy preaching at Gen Con, and he said, Perna, you need to see this because it's basically you about 10 years older. <laughs> and I said, I said, come on, man. There, there can't be more than one of me. The world would implode in upon itself. But I watched the video, and I completely agreed. So immediately after watching that video, I connected with Derek White, the geek preacher. And we have him back on right now. So, Derek, how are you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing good. Doing really good. Just a little tired, but otherwise, just just living life and enjoying it. Well, before I say anything, you know, obviously this happened a while ago, and off-air I've congratulated you for it, but congratulations on your ordination. Yeah, man, it, it, it's been a long process. Uh, uh, without going into a ton of detail, uh, most people don't realize uh, how long ordination can take in the United Methodist Church, but uh, we require that you have a master's degree and you spend at least two years as a probationary minister. Uh, so uh, I uh, actually, it took me four years to do seminary because I was married. I am married with children. And uh, so it took me four years to do seminary, ended up doing about three years of probationary work. So I started the process back in officially in 2008. So it'll have been about seven years for me, though, even though I've been in ministry since I was 21 on and off for almost a quarter of a century, uh, I, I will be officially ordained as a United Methodist minister on June the 1st of 2015. I'm excited. My wife is probably more excited than I am. Well, yeah, uh, she's, she's been with you through the whole process, so I'm sure she's psyched for it. Oh, she is, man. You saw this girl who was raised nice, conservative Presbyterian, and she's like, man, I'm going to be shouting. I'm like, what? <laughs> Don't scare the Methodists, sweetie. Don't scare the Methodists. <laughs> so, so, so we're excited. Yeah, it, it's been a long process, but it's been a wonderful process. And uh, the support of my friends and my colleagues and the support of the geek community has been overwhelming. I mean, uh you know, when you got guys like Tim Kask and Frank Mincer supporting you and sending you messages of encouragement has just been amazing. Uh, friends like Luke Gygax and just people like that sending me messages telling me, hey, Derek, man, we're here behind you. Uh, Non-Christian geeks, atheist geeks. I mean, just that level of support just blew me away and really excited me. So, so it's been a, and of course yours, man. Mike, you were there praying for me. I know that, uh, thinking about me, uh, telling me to keep on, keep it on. And it, that means a lot more than you know. Well, when you really think about it, I mean, our relationship started when randomly I needed a place to stay for Gen Con. <laughs> and I pulled up a piece of floor. Mm. But, you know, now now you're, you know, you're my brother from another mother at this point. That's it. That's it. That's it. So, yeah. you know, I, I got to, gotta, you know, do what I can for my boys. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. There's going to be six of us this year at Gen Con sharing a house, man. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine that. I think it's actually the, the, the plot point for several movies from the early 90s. <laughs> hey, well, I grew up in the 80s, man. We don't want the plot point from 80s movies. No, no, never. What's the noise at the window? 
Remember, the movies in the 80s taught us one thing. Don't split the party. Never, don't ever. Party. So, yeah. And we're going to have two Australians with us, which is going to make it just even better. That's going to make it crazy. So, well, I know, I know I'm looking forward to Gen Con. What do you think? I mean, obviously, you've got a lot of, of uh, just different activities going on with Gen Con because you are actually – I'm kind of piggybacking on, you know, Christian Gamer Guild and Fans for Christ, but you are neck deep in that. That is, is your baby there. So what well, what are some, some of the things that you're looking forward to at Gen Con this year? Well, I mean, uh, Gen Con in some ways over the last few years – has, you know, when I first went to Gen Con and began helping out with the worship service uh, and assisting and preaching, it was it was fairly easy for me. Uh, I just would get up uh, on Sunday mornings, go in there, preach, do my thing, and got to have fun the rest of the time. But, but uh, over the last few years, it's really grown. Uh, now that we have the booth in the dealer's hall, uh, making sure that the booth is set up, making sure that it, we've got it looking nice, we've got things there to give out, <clears throat> making sure we've got things there to sell because everything we sell at the booth goes to pay for the booth next year. I mean, last year, you remember, was the first time the booth has ever paid for itself. We broke even. I think I had $5 extra, and I asked uh, Dave Mattingly if I could buy a soda or two with it. Right. <laughs> and he said, sure, man, go ahead, $5. You know, uh, so last year we raised the money for it, of course, not realizing that you couldn't pay the insurance in advance. So I still had to pay the insurance myself for the booth. But so making sure the booth is set up, making sure all that's good to go, making sure we've got candy to give away or whatever we're giving away, making sure the items are there that we're going to sell to raise money. Uh, then, uh, uh, Planning the panel this year, we're going to have a really interesting panel. We're going to uh, have Chris Odie on there, who was heavily involved with the Dark Dungeons movie. He was on our panel last year. He touched on the movie and media some. This year, our focus is going to be geek media, geek movies, uh, maybe geek writing, maybe give us some geeky uh, Christian writers on the panel. Uh, maybe uh, I know a geeky uh, Christian comic artist or two who might be willing to get on the panel, somebody new, somebody we've not had before. So I've got that planned. Uh, I've got uh, the service on Sunday. Uh, then uh, there's a couple of events I have to be at. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the release of the Knights of the Dinner Table uh, live-action television series or web series uh, that was a Kickstarter from last year. I'm really, I've known Jolly Blackburn since 2003. We've been, gotten to be really great friends, and so I've got to be at the at the premiere of that. Um, that's a big one. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There's another event I'm supposed to be at. Oh, if, and, if, if I'm not mistaken, I remember the tail end of Gen Con last year. You were approached by a lovely couple who wanted to. Uh, have you be part of a specifically powerful event in their lives? Yeah, they talked to me about doing a wedding. The only problem with that is, and I, I've gotten this request before, I sat down with the couple, but one of the things that, you know, I always do, uh, I believe strongly in, is uh, premarital counseling. Now, I don't require couples to go through premarital counseling with me, 
but I do ask them to go through premarital counseling. I have found, and statistics have held out that premarital counseling tends to knock down on the percentage of divorces among people. And so, uh, so the statistics are, you know, you know, the old joke, you know, 80% of the statistics are made up on the spot. Mm. You know, ha, ha, ha. But, but I've seen statistics somewhere around 60 to 70% uh, of people who get premarital counseling, get good premarital counseling, don't get divorced, which is good considering our divorce rate in this country is about 50 percent uh it 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 all fluctuates the numbers fluctuate but it's something i believe strongly and my wife and i went through it it was a wonderful thing for us i've done premarital counseling for a number of couples and the couples who have taken it seriously have had wonderful strong marriages i've had people go through uh professional licensed counselors i've seen them come out of the premarital counseling and just go into marriage seamlessly wonderful it's been a good thing and so any couple that asked me to do a wedding i just said look i require you to go through premarital counseling the problem with that couple like many of the other couples who have approached me at gaming conventions and i've had this happen before uh they haven't gotten back in touch with me and they haven't given me an update so i'm really worried i'm going to pop up at gen con and they're going to go hey we're here to get married I'm going to go, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> and especially with everything that's going on with marriage right now, I mean, it's it's crazy because every state has different regulations and how yeah, it's And so when I do an out-of-state wedding, I have to make sure all my uh, I's are dotted, my T's are crossed, all that fun stuff. People don't realize how tricky it is. You've done weddings, you know. It, yep, it's... and I've, I've done them here in New Jersey, one in Pennsylvania, and one in Connecticut, so I know exactly what that's like. Yeah, and you got to make sure the licenses are, are straight. Uh, you've got to make sure, you know, I, I got asked to, to possibly do one in Wisconsin one time, and the particular county that wanted the wedding was everybody had to come up to the courthouse, the minister and the couple, to get the license. Oh, wow. Just that particular county. So you have to be, you know, very strict about making sure that you do that because you don't want to just sign a piece of paper and then six months later these people find out they're not legally married, uh, right. which is a whole conversation that neither you nor I want to go into. <laughs> not even kind of. <laughs> We're not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. Because it's a pit trap up ahead. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. It's lined with spikes. <laughs> Aren't they always? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing, and you talked about this on your podcast. I mean, the other thing that we're going to have to be very, very aware of at Gen Con this year, you know, uh, and this is something I've been planning for, and we're going to talk privately a little bit about this when we both get up to Indianapolis you know, the whole thing with the law in Indiana right now and what they're going through about who you can serve and who you can't serve and all of that. So we know there are going to be some negative attitudes toward uh, Christians uh, with Indiana passing that law. And so we've got to let people know that we're there to serve all people. You know, that's the great thing about you, Mike. I know we're on the same page on this is we're there to minister to everybody and serve everybody. And the idea that Christians would tell a person, no, I'm not going to serve you because of your gender or your sexual orientation 
is just atrocious. Uh, Christians should be the people at the forefront of serving everybody, no matter what. And, uh, you know, and, and that just breaks my heart. So we're, so we're going to have to, you know, make sure that we're there and we're showing people the love of Jesus and we're living out the love of Jesus by serving everybody. And so that's something we're, we're going to really have to prep for. Make sure that all our people that work the booth are aware of that. Uh, make sure that every, everybody's able to give their own opinion, but to let them know that they're not speaking for the Christian Gamers Guild or Fans for Christ. They're speaking as an individual, you know. I will say, though, that Christian Gamers Guild and Fans for Christ both believe in loving and serving all people, and we don't want to discriminate against anybody, regardless of where they're coming from. We're there to show people that Jesus does love them, Jesus cares for them, and most of all, Jesus forgives each and every one of us, because we're all a bunch of filthy sinners when it boils down to it. Amen to that. All right, Derek, well, I know that you want to go and hang out with your good lady wife, and I want to allow you to do that. Oh, most definitely. But, yeah, I also want to thank you so much. I'm glad that we could get you on here on uh, part of episode 100. I, I don't think we could have done episode 100 without you. Well, man, dude, I just want to tell you I am just so proud of, of what you've been doing with this podcast, the people you been reaching. I, I hear from people all the time who are telling me, you know, I, it's so funny when I have somebody, hey man, have you heard of these inroads folks? I'm like, yeah, I think I know who you might. I, I know a little bit about them. I know them a little bit. Yeah, man, they're, they're awesome. And, and I just want to say, man, I appreciate your drive to keep this thing going. Uh, I just want to affirm you and what you're doing. That's the reason I wanted to be on here, man is to affirm you, Mike. I have seen you go through struggles. I have seen you be frustrated. I've seen you feel beaten down. But what you are doing is touching the lives of people. You are showing Christian gamers that they can stand up and be who they are in the life of the church. You are showing uh, non-Christians that we love them and that we're just another gamer with another thing that we love and adore. And you're showing them that you are a person just like them. The only difference is, is that you have this thing that uh, guides and directs your life. And that's what makes you different. Uh, your ability to just keep going on in the face of adversity, to keep pushing on, is the definition of minister, man. And that is what you are. You are a minister uh, for Jesus. You're a minister for Inroads Ministry, and you do amazing, wonderful work. And I just cannot imagine uh, all the hats you wear, how you do it, it, without the presence of God in your life. Uh, without the presence of God in my life, it wouldn't happen. That's just the straight-up truth on that one. <laughs> but, yeah, Derek, I wow, uh, thank you. I, I don't know how I can follow it up. So I'm just going to say goodbye to you, at least on as far as the recording is concerned. And, yeah. Uh, and I love you guys, man. I love what you're doing. It, it does my heart good because I know I'm not always going to be around. Uh, this, this life is a short one we've got. Not, not, you know, we never know when something's going to happen. And it just does my heart good to see guys like you knowing that there's so many other people springing up. Uh, carrying a torch. When I started doing this, uh, 
I could have counted the ministers on one hand, on two fingers. And uh, now I see so many out there. And uh, guys like you at the forefront of this gives me hope that, you know, uh, whenever God uh, says, hey, man, this this is it, you're done, uh, and then I can look and I can go, man, that's all right. There's people after me carrying the torch and, and guys like you and, you know, the other ministries, you know, all the other people out there. I, I don't have to name them, but we've come across a lot of them recently together and they're out there doing the work. And we know that that what God is doing something new in the geek community. And it's amazing. And uh, you are, are one of the people at the forefront of it, brother. All right. Again, thanks, Derek. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the episode. Hey, man. Thank you for having me, Mike. I love Derek. And I'm, I want to make it clear, I did not pay him to say all those nice things about us that he said at the end of that. Because I, you know, it's, it's kind of weird every time somebody will, you know, receive accolades for what you do and then say this is really humbling. It really is, man. Derek does so much for so many people. And to hear him talk about nice things about us is, it's just a weird, it, I'm still trying to process how cool it is that, that he supports what we do so much. Folks, uh, just a reminder, you want to meet him and meet Mike? Well, you can do that at Gen Con this year. I don't think you can get tickets anymore. And if you did, I don't think you could stay within 300 miles of Gen Con, (laughs) but if you can overcome those problems, I'm sure they'd be happy to meet with you. Absolutely. I, I love seeing all sorts of people, and Derek, too, man. Derek Derek is a machine. Every time I, I want to like possibly connect with somebody, he's already met them four years ago. So, no, he's... <laughs> he's he, Derek, knows, Derek knows everybody. The next person we're going to talk to is a very interesting young woman. Her name is Holly Ann... Well... I should say, you can still find her as Holly Ann Satola, but she has since gotten married. She doesn't do, she, she used to be very big into video game streaming, which is basically, you know, people would go on, I th- she was mostly on Twitch. Right. And just watch people play video games. But it's not even just the watching of video games, because there is that skill but there's also just the commentary and the personalities and the experience of watching these people play. And she has always been just a, a real positive influence in the streaming world. She's since kind of stepped back from that, but is still doing a lot of cool things. And we talk a little bit about the documentary she was actually a part of called No Princess in the Castle, which is basically a, a host of these amazing lady gamers who are doing great things on the internet. So I could talk more about that, but why? Because I'm just going to let her do that. All right, guys, I am here with a, a woman who, re, who let's see, I did the math on this a little bit ago. It was just about a year and a half, almost two years wow. since you were on last. Uh, we have Holly Ann. Now, you've been married recently. Are we still going by Holly Ann Satola or? Well, for gaming, I keep Holly Ann Satola. I like to pretend that. I'm like a celeb, so I just keep Holly Anzatola for gaming, and then. Uh, but I'm, I, I did change my name, so I am Holly Ann Simon officially. Awesome. Yeah. So, before the last time I remember seeing you do your thing, and the last time we had you on the podcast, you were kicking butt and taking names in Counter Strike. 
Yeah. Gosh, that was a year and a half ago. That was a year and a half ago. (laughs) (laughs) So so what are you up to now? Goodness. I mean, I feel like a lot has happened in a year and a half, not only just like on a personal front, but especially for gaming. You know, I was really focused on streaming and kind of just building my community there. And, you know, I really did meet a lot of great people. I'm really thankful for all my fans and for the memories that I do have from streaming, but I just really am not super happy with the direction that Twitch has gone in, specifically for female gamers. So I really just wanted to take a step back from that. I mean, the harassment levels were like really high and I've dealt with that before, but this was kind of like a different level. So that's one of the reasons I bounced out. And then, you know, just kind of where the majority of females are on Twitch and kind of the way that they promote themselves is just not something that I'm into. And it, it kind of came to the point for me that I didn't want people coming into my channel and assuming that just because I'm a female and I'm streaming, like that's what I was about. And I just decided it was something I didn't want to associate myself with any longer. So I've I deleted my Twitch, which was really hard for me to do. It sounds really like lame, but I spent a lot of hours. I was about to say, you put um, some quality time into that. I'm not surprised yeah. you, that would hurt. Yeah, I mean, pressing that delete button. And I, I wanted to do it so many different times, but I really just I really just felt like it was the right thing to do. But I, I was concerned, like, oh, gosh, like this is the end for me and, you know, for my gaming. And, and the funny thing is, is, since I've stopped streaming... I feel like things have taken off even more for me within the gaming industry, which I feel like is God telling me like, see, yep, you, you know, I was telling you back up from the streaming and, you know, I'll, I'll open doors. And I really feel like that's what's happened. Um, started filming for the film, No Princess in the Castle, which is super exciting. It's one of my things I've always wanted to do is be in a documentary and I'm like their starring girl in the, in the film. Um, and it's a documentary about, female gamers and also just women in the gaming industry as a whole. So I'm super thankful to be a part of that project. Uh, we started filming, I think last year, I've, I've done a couple filming sessions and a photography, like little photo shoot. And then once I come back to California, we're going to do some more filming. So that's been really, really fantastic too. But I'm not playing Counter-Strike anymore. <laughs> so I play sometimes for fun. And by sometimes, I mean, like, maybe once every two months, I'll play a couple matches with my husband. Um, but I've really been branching out big time as a gamer. Uh, my friend Ashley and I have really been playing every co-op for PC that we can get our hands on. So I've been playing through some old games as well. And then also some new ones. Just recently played through Dying Light. Was doing some Assassin's Creed Unity. We're big Saints Row people. So just played through the small DLC, Get Out of Hell, and waiting for the next Saints Row. So I feel like I've really been expanding as a gamer, not just like in the FPS world, but also in some MMORPGs. Played a little bit of Neverwinter. Been playing some WoW. So I'm really, I'm actually really happy with where I'm at in my gaming spectrum currently, which is cool. Very cool. So when when you're not doing the gaming, before we, I wanted to get a lot of time into No Princess in the Castle, but I just want to answer this real quick one before that. When you're not gaming, what are you doing? Especially if you're not streaming anymore, what what is it that you're doing when you're kind of off the PC? Last time we talked, I was 
I guess I was finishing up college. Uh, so I graduated college in May with my degree in child and family development from SDSU. So that was super exciting. My husband and I had been apart for nine months. He's in the Navy. And so he was doing schooling in Illinois and I was finishing up in San Diego. So once I graduated last May, I moved out to Illinois and we thought we'd be there a while, but I was only there about a month and a half. And then we got orders here to Virginia Beach and we've been here since September. And then now we just got orders for our first official port in San Diego, which is where I'm from. So we're going to be heading back to San Diego. We leave next week for an eight day drive. So that'll be fun. But after college, I really, I had a job actually set up here. I didn't get a job in Illinois because I, we didn't know how long we'd be there. And I was still streaming then. But then when we moved to Virginia, I had a job set up for behavior therapist for children. And I was super stoked. But then I saw a posting from a church for a children's pastor. And I'm like, oh, that's like my thing. You know, I've been working in children's ministry for 10 years. I've been an intern for children's directors for like eight years. That's like my thing. I've been in ministry forever. So I applied and I got the job. So I've been a children's pastor since October here. So just getting to lead a team and lead kids, get to lead worship as well, which is super fun. It's been a huge, huge blessing. I didn't know if they would hire me because we didn't know how long we'd be here. But God's definitely done a lot in seven months uh, for that ministry and just for me in general. So it's been super, super cool. So that's kind of been my life, full-time children's pastor. And then anytime I can game, I, I pretty much do. Uh, now, have you seen gaming actually be a part of that? I mean, I know with you, when you're working with little kids, that's not always easy. But is there anything that, that any crossover there? Definitely. For ministry in San Diego, you know, I worked with those kids for over 10 years. So a lot of the kids I taught preschool to, they're all in junior high now. Some of them are in high school, actually. So they're all big into Minecraft and eh, different games like that. But they all used to watch my stream as well, which was super cool. For the kids here, I, the class that I lead worship for, well, I lead worship for the whole ministry, but I teach K through fifth. So like the whole ministry comes in, I do worship, then they leave. And then I just have K through fifth. So anytime I see that I have new boys, especially come in, I get with them right away. And I'm like, hey, you play any games? And they're always kind of like caught off guard. Like this children's pastor is a female is asking me if I play any games. You're a girl. <laughs> yeah. And it was so funny. It happened on Sunday. Actually, I had twin boys come. They were new and they're fifth graders. And I was like, yeah, so do you play any games? And he's like, yeah, I do. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, PC or console? And he's like, oh, yeah, on the computer. And I was like, oh, well, what type of games do you play? And he's like, oh, well, I play a lot of games. And then one of my teen helpers was next to him and was like, well, she plays more games than you. She's like a professional <laughs> gamer. <laughs> it was hilarious. So, yeah, I definitely enjoy talking games with my kids. And it's interesting, like a lot of girls will even be like, oh, I game too, which is just so funny to me because, you know, when I was 12 and gaming, I was the only girl I knew that was gaming. You know, I was getting made fun of for it in school. It wasn't like a thing. And so it's it's been really cool. All the kids think I'm a lot cooler than I am. So it definitely helps with my my cool factor, which is cool. <laughs> that That's something that I've, I've tried to, to share with people. I said not to play the old man card because I'm not. But I feel like it sometimes when I'm talking to kids nowadays. I go, do you know that when I was a kid playing video <laughs> games was what the nerds did? Exactly. Exactly. It's so funny. And, you know, I just turned 25 last month and I'm feeling old. Like I really, and I know it sounds ridiculous because everyone that's older than me is like 
you're like a baby. But I really do feel old. I mean, I feel like I was just 12 yesterday. So I totally understand what you're saying. I do feel old to the kids sometimes. I mean, my tattoos and like, you know, my like edgy haircut and that stuff all helps. But the gaming, like the kids are like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> Very cool. Now let's get back to No Princess in the Castle. Like, I don't want you to give too much away because obviously we want people to go out and see it. Right. But what's the what's the overall like thesis? What's the overall jam of this? You know, it's really focused on women who game, but also women who have made a true impact in the industry, which is what I love about it. At first, you know, when they approached me with the project, well, to be honest, right away, I was thinking, okay, who are who are going to be the other girls in this? Because <laughs> there's a there's a large amount of females in the industry that I'm just I'm really not a fan of and I'm not sold on what they're doing but the cast that they've gotten together are just above and beyond I mean women that you know worked on the first microchip for games women who um, worked on games that really were like spearheading games that I think a lot of people don't really know that women were kind of at the front of that I think people just kind of assume, oh, yeah, well, a guy created that or a guy thought of that. And so that's also in there. Some women that have really, you know, overcome a lot. Um, one of the women that one of the women. Can I talk today? I don't think I can. <laughs> Too many hours on. Uh, gosh, I've been playing. I've been gaming all day. Can you tell my brain's fried? There we go. Uh, <laughs> one of the um, ladies that's in it, I actually met her couple years back when I was getting my award in uh, Vegas at the Classic Gamers Expo. But she won one of the first gaming tournaments ever. And she's a woman, which is really cool. I really look up to her. There's also a good combination, I feel, of classic gamers as well as modern gamers, which I think is really cool. And a good amount of console people as well versus PC. I'm a woman who has set lots of world records on just dance the one of the top guitar hero players but what's cool is is it's not really just about gaming and gaming's cool and you know she's cool because of this but it i feel like it's really going to send a really strong message that not only women are here and women are more prevalent in the industry now but really that each woman has something that they can bring to the table i think it's going to be very it's already sparked a lot of controversy but i think it's going to be interesting to see people's take on it i think that this is something that could have been done a long time ago but i really believe that no one has wanted to take this on the people that are you know spearheading it and directing it have already gotten a lot of negative comments and a lot of negative feedback i i bet because we live in the age of the hashtag that shall not be named on this podcast yeah and you know it's really interesting because like a part of me is surprised the bigger part of me is not surprised you know i it was kind of expected there's also a lot of not a lot of, but there's a few males that are also going to be in the film that are playing a big part as well in a lot of the production. And uh, Patrick Scott Patterson's one of them. And, you know, he has a whole thing on his site for women that game. And he interviewed me a while back and some other women that are in the film. And he's always gotten slack for that. He has people messaging him constantly. You know, wow, why, why would you even have a section on your site for women that game? Like, that's just so dumb. That's so pointless. So his perspective in the film, I think, is going to be really crucial for a lot of viewers as well, especially for some males that may be viewing that are like, this is ridiculous. But the thing that's so funny to me is I think back to maybe 2000, but MTV came out with a documentary about girl gamers. And it wasn't really like a documentary, but it was like a true life. I'm a girl gamer. 
I think that's what it was. Oh, yeah, I remember that series. Yeah, and I'm not going to even say the girls' names on here because I don't want to give them any credit. Yeah, um, we, yeah. We're that's not all gonna I'm going to say for that. <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not going to be hating on any individual, but... Yeah, that I feel like got a lot of positive feedback. Like, I feel like people were like, wow, those girls are awesome, and they're so hot, and this is so cool. And this was when girls weren't gaming. Right. So I think now that girls are gaming, and girls are in the industry, and girls are competitive and girls are working in industry jobs, you know, at, uh, as game developers, I think it's been, I think that has been what has caused more controversy. Do you know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. guys see girls as, Oh, well they're stepping in now and they're taking jobs. They're taking my graphic design jobs or they're taking my spot on a team. Yeah. We, um, we talked about it uh, before when, when the whole thing first really started to flare up. Yeah. We talked about the fact that a lot of guys, being stupid, quite frankly, think of it almost like, you know, you can't play in our sandbox. And that they get all up in arms because they think that somebody's intruding on their turf. I mean, I I understand. I understand it to a point. I mean, I'm like very traditional and I'm very conservative. And I'm like, you know, the traditional, I kind of have the traditional view a bit to a woman in my mind. And I kind of live by a lot of that for myself. So I'm very far away from the the liberal woman's, you know, side. But then on the other hand, like I am a female in the gaming industry. And, you know, I've been doing this for a lot of years. So I see both sides. But to me, gaming doesn't feel like laundry or cooking or like the things that guys think like, oh, well, just, you know, how many times have I heard just get in the kitchen to make me a sandwich? Right. Just get in the blah, blah, blah. Maybe Gaming, I feel like doesn't fit with that. Like, doesn't gaming seem like something that anybody could do? Like any age, any gender, any race, any from anywhere. I mean, I don't know. That just doesn't seem to me like a male thing. But that might be just because it's what I grew up with. I mean, it's what I've always done. I, I remember uh, back when I was in seminary, we had... We were a bunch of overgrown children, and so we had wired up our whole dorm to be just one giant LAN party. And there was one time we had Halo on at a party, and we said, let's get a bunch of the girls to play. And some of the girls were, you know, what certain people would think of. They're like, spit, you know, we, they were playing Halo, and they're like spinning up in the air going, I'm getting dizzy. But then there was this one girl who destroyed all of us. And I'm, I, I personally found that amazing. I I never understood this thing about, you know, putting up the fences and the He-Man Woman Haters Club and everything like this that's come out of this, because I thought it was awesome, more people to play with. Yeah, I mean, I I was just asked this recently in an interview uh, that I did with Obsolete Gamer, and what he was saying, he was kind of asking me, you know, where he thinks this harassment and this idea kind of stems from. I noticed I was getting a lot of hate on my stream because... I was successful at what I was doing. I think people look at other people's success sometimes, regardless if they're male or female, and they envy that success. And Mm -hmm. I know I've totally done that. You know, we look at someone and we're like, wow, like they're making bank doing that or they're doing, and I, I wasn't by any means, but people, I noticed a lot of the trolls would make comments like, wow, people are actually donating to you. Like how would people, how could people even do that? Like you're actually making money doing this. Like people were really very angry about that. So I think a lot of it just stems from envy. And to me, it seems really silly because I'm the type of person like, you know, Summit, who's on Twitch, he I met him a long time ago at a land center that he used to work at in SoCal. But 
he's one of the top Twitch streamers right now making six figures. You know, he's pretty legit. He's doing the Twitch thing right for sure. And I look at that and I'm like, dude, you know, good for you. Like you're killing it. That's your thing. Like you would think people would kind of be like that, but I think there's a lot of people that kind of hide behind the keyboard and aren't really successful in things. And I think they're looking for that. And then when they see people succeeding in something they want to succeed in, they they start trolling or screaming or, you know, well, well, you're a woman and you shouldn't be making money doing this. I should be and you should be cooking. And that to me is just really kind of a, a bad way of thinking about people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You mentioned that there's a bunch of, of amazing ladies in this movie that's coming out. Is there anybody in particular that you kind of put out there as this is the person I want to be like? Um, other than myself, just kidding. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Clearly, kidding. no. There, you know, one of the biggest compliments I got. Kat Despair is in the film, and she's one of someone that's also helping on a production level. And when Dave had came to film the first time, they were there, White Willow Productions filming, and after I got done, like, talking my first segment, they said, gosh, you're like a young cat. And that, to me, was like, wow. Because Cat's someone that I really look up to a lot. She's done so much in the industry, and she's, I think, the perfect example of a female in the industry because she gets so much crap, but she's done so much good. And she's really good at still, like, sticking to her ground and, like, standing up for herself, but also good at, like, not feeding the trolls. So she would definitely be someone that I'm like, uh, yeah. And then, you know, Rebecca Heinemann, who I, she was who I met at the Classic Gamers Expo in Vegas. She, you know, she was the one that went to the gaming tournament, you know, in the, I think it was in the seventies. That to me is just incredible. You know, I remember being 12, 13, I was the only female at LANs. That doesn't even compare to like being at one of the first tournaments and you're competing and you win. I mean, that to me is just so incredible and so inspiring. So those two, for sure, I would say definitely women that I look up to for sure and, and would love to just be where, continue to be doing what they're doing when I'm their age, which I think is, it's just so cool. They're, they're great women. Very cool. Now you said that you're not streaming anymore. So where can people find you to kind of keep track of the awesome things that you're doing? I've tried to be way more active on Twitter, which is like kind of a new thing for me. And I know Twitter is like not new, but there was like a part of me that I was just like, oh, I don't want to be on Twitter. <laughs> I don't really know why. I just, I don't, I, I really don't love it. That, um, that was I've me been... for a long time. And then somebody says, Mike, you got to do it for the ministry. And I'm like, fine. Now, <laughs> any more, I swear, I'm on that thing constantly. Yeah. So like now I've been trying to like keep people updated what I'm doing, what I'm playing. You know, one of my fans put on my Facebook last night, Hey, Holly Ann, you know, I miss you so much. And I'm like, I mean, you shouldn't miss me. Like I'm here, I'm active, I'm gaming, like I'm keeping you posted. You know, I'm doing things. I was put on uh, with ladies of the round table. Um, they got me connected with a company that, you know, has women on their site that like companies can hire for panels and stuff for like gaming conventions and stuff like that. And I, I had an offer to do one last December, but it was actually the same day as our wedding. So yeah, that, I, I think that takes precedent. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's like, I feel like, th like there's a lot of things going on. It's just a matter of like, people feel like 
I think instantly feel like my presence is smaller now because I'm not, they can't watch me every day, but I definitely post and I'm active every day. So my Facebook page for sure. I just launched a new website because I was getting a lot of people contacting me for like different things. And I started to feel really lame with, oh, well, just Google me and go yeah. to my Facebook. <laughs> like, because Googling me, I don't know if you've done it, Mike. It's scary. I, I um, haven't. <laughs> There's a lot of scary stuff out there. Googling me is not ideal. I don't even like Googling me. There's some, there's a lot of troll, troll stuff out there. So I was like, you know what? I need to just do it and put everything on a site and just get it together. So I did that this week, which I'm so proud. But my link is super long, but it's hollyansatola.wix.com slash one three three seven. Had to do that. Come on, Leet. That's yeah, where it's at. It had to um, be But that. that's on my Facebook page and that's on my Twitter as well. And and on there, I have everything, like all the interviews I've ever done, photos, contact information, all my social media, stuff about the film. I also have the No Princess in the Castle trailer on there. Um, and I have some videos too, like some of my favorite YouTube videos of like me, past streams and stuff that I've done. So I would definitely say to check that out. And but my Facebook page, my Twitter, I keep all those things posted. I just posted screenshots today from Dead Island. We're back. We're I'm playing Dead Island one right now. So I take screenshots and try to keep everyone posted, kind of what's going on. I I still post pictures and some videos of kind of what I'm up to. I I kind of want people to start getting used to like. Just because I'm not streaming doesn't mean I'm not here and I'm not, you know, if anything, I'm more of a gamer now. And, and I say that because not only am I branching out more, but I'm actually getting to enjoy myself again. And I, I think that's so important, you know, especially when you're working in the industry in any capacity, it's very easy for it to become more work. And yeah, less I was just about to, just about to say you can enjoy your stream, you know, because you're not streaming it. You're just exactly. playing it. You can exactly. just kick back and do what you want to do. I can wake up in my PJs, go to my computer with my hair looking crazy, throw my headset on, not worry about, you know, how I look or how I'm sounding or, oh, my gosh, I need to interact with 300 people as I play. And, <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm going to get dosed and I'm going to have pizzas ordered to my house. I mean, just like all of that has gone and I've really been able to get back to why do I love gaming? What makes me a gamer? And I feel like that's so important, especially with this filming right now. I mean, when they first filmed me, I was like hardcore in my stream. My stream was going really well. Things were super great. I mean, all the trolls were there, of course. They're, they never go away. But things were great. And I was digging my stream. And now I feel like I've just evolved so much as a gamer. I feel like I've learned so much. And I, I really feel like I'm back to that seven-year-old girl just in love with her Super Nintendo, which which makes me really happy because that's what gaming's about. It's about having fun and about trying new things. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for taking some time out. I know you guys are busy, you know, anticipating the move and everything. But I hope you just have all the success in the world as you go back out there to the West Coast. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm stoked for you guys. Congratulations to you guys, too. Thanks. episode. Really, really awesome. I look forward to talking to you guys soon. All right, folks. This is where I'm going to cut you off for this portion of episode 100 for now. Normally, our episodes last about an hour, and that's kind of the format you've come to expect from us. But we had so much fun talking to our guests and talking about our hopes for the future of GSP as the podcast and Inroads Ministries as a whole that episode 100 is closer to three hours of content. 
Uh, in order to keep the format close to normal, we've broken the episode into two parts. Make sure to come back for part two of our episode 100 Spectacular, where we'll talk to Marty Connell from Rolling Dice and Taking Names, hear a message from the guys at Saving the Game, drag the behind-the-scenes members of the Inroads board onto the airwaves, and read a couple emails from our listeners. <laughs>